Support for Waveform comes from Anthropic. So looking for an AI solution for a business, it might be time to check out the Claude 3 family from Anthropic, your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. So whether you're powering a customer chat experience or doing complex R&D or need advanced analysis, Anthropic can help provide you with frontier intelligence. So if you're looking for speed, power, or anything in between, the Claude 3 family offers AI models for a variety of tasks and budgets. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic. Hi, we're Visible. We're the wireless company with nothing to hide. Seriously. Hidden fees? We don't have them. Annual contracts? Not our thing. Great wireless on just one line? Now that's more like it. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. That's right. $25 a month? Every month. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not that into you. Sometimes the choice is just Visible. Switch today at Visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see Visible.com. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to a bonus episode of the Waveform Podcast. So, just dropped a video on the channel today, an exclusive revealing the design of the OnePlus Nord phone coming up and talking about prices of smartphones and product strategy, things like that. So, for this bonus episode, it's the whole conversation. So, I'm chatting with Carl Pei, co-founder of OnePlus, and we'll talk about product philosophy, their strategy on how things work over there, how they make decisions for a new product, and we really get into the weeds on all that stuff. So I feel like I learn a lot during this hour, even though we recorded this at 7 a.m. local time. I will be keeping a lot of this info with me. Check it out. Uh, all right, Carl, thank you for joining me. Uh, it's a There's a pretty big time difference between you and I, so I'm up pretty early, you're up pretty late, but we made it work. Um, yeah, thanks for uh, getting in this early to do this. No problem. So I think we're all we're here because you get you guys are you're working on a new product line, um, OnePlus Nord. I think all we really know about it as of right now, as we're recording, this is the name is Nord, and then there's all sorts of speculation about what exactly it is. So why don't we just get right into it and, and just just tell me what you can about what OnePlus Nord is, what you've been working on. Uh, what we should know now. So um, over the past couple of years, we've been creating better and better flagship phones, and that has allowed us to grow and expand our business. But we also heard from consumers that they want to see a more affordable OnePlus phone. And uh, you know, back in the early days, we were only selling online, and uh, our phones were um, really great flagship phones sold at a really reasonable price. So we have some of those users from, uh, uh, from back in the day asking for a product once again in that price range. And we've been looking at this for a really long time and we didn't feel the time was right until now to enter the mid-range market. Um, if you look at the, the timing now and if you look at the industry as a whole, most smartphone companies, they really focus all their time and energy into creating a great flagship phone. Yeah. The mid-range category is, it's, it's kind of a, an afterthought. So the, the best and brightest go and make the flagship phone and the, you know, the mid-range, it is what it is. Okay. Um, for us, we think we're ready now because the technology is ready. With the 765G um, chipset from Qualcomm, 
we finally feel like the, the mid-range chipset are ready to deliver the experience that people have come to expect from a OnePlus product. So over the past couple of years, you know, we've been really focused on creating a fast and smooth experience. And prior to this, this was done on the 800 series. Yeah. But now, um, as technology is improving, we feel like it's finally time and the technology is finally ready. So that now with the 700 series, we're able to deliver that same experience. So when you're scrolling through the, the OnePlus Nord, uh, you won't actually be able to tell which platform you're on. All the animations, all the optimizations we've kind of taken from the 800 series and brought to the 700 series. So okay. that's what it is. Like we finally feel like there's a opening for us to take our flagship experience into a new price category. And um, we waited a little bit of time until we were finally ready to deliver this. So that's that's pretty pretty big claims, I think. You know, having a I mean, I'll be testing it obviously and trying to see if I can tell the difference. But um, I think when you when you talk about you know, mid-range price. That gets me curious because OnePlus started in one place with price, then sort of moved up and is making a flagship. So now what mm -hmm. is a, what is a mid-range price, I guess is my question. And, what, and how do you decide where to jump in to this new product category versus the, the $900 phone you sell already? Yeah, so over the past couple of years, we've been working really closely with our community. They give us a lot of feedback and they've been wanting more and more from our flagship phones. And as a result, they have become better, but they've also become more and more expensive. Um, we said before that this new product line is gonna kind of go back to some of the uh, earlier philosophies we had when it came to product and also when it comes to price. So this product line will be uh, below $500 again. And we've also announced that the OnePlus Nord is just the first product of a couple of new products in this new series. And over time will be releasing more and more affordable products within this product line. So we might start at a price range below $500, but then you know gradually go down as time goes along. Okay, so there's like a Nord flagship inside of this new mid-range line that may eventually turn into other devices in the Nord family, is that, is that accurate? Yeah, that's, uh, that's very accurate. So the first product is called OnePlus Nord, okay. but the new product line is also called OnePlus Nord. Okay. Got it. All right. I think I'm, I'm following so far. Uh, I want to I wanna do a little, a little bit of a twist because, I, you know, we talk about all these different phones so often on the channel. For me, I thought it'd be interesting to ask you, since you're in a position at OnePlus where you have a lot of these decisions to make, how does a company making phones decide where to make those trade-offs that are necessary to bring down price? So you talked about OnePlus 8 Pro being more expensive because it's a better phone perfectly reasonable way to to go about thinking about making a phone but when you have to make a phone now that's sub $500 how do you choose what to go high-end on and what not to so for us when we're building products it doesn't necessarily start with a price it's not like hey now we're gonna make a phone for $500 or $300 it's more going back to the consumer so when we started this new product line the first thing we did was um, we looked at all the data we already had, all the insights we already had accumulated over the past couple of years on what our consumers think a great smartphone is. And then we took these insights and went to the market to test them. We had focus groups where we uh, discussed smartphones with, uh, with a lot of regular consumers to validate our claims. And we used these focus groups to kind of tweak our positioning. Mm 
So for this product line, what it comes down to is over the past couple of years, there's a certain amount of consumers who feel like each iteration of smartphones aren't giving them as much uh, new innovation as before. They don't really perceive the difference between, you know, uh, different generations of smartphones anymore. And they just want a phone that's great. They just want a phone that works. Mm -hmm. So for these consumers, what they really care about is basically three things, three big buckets. Um, number one is camera. Like, I'm sure you're also aware, like, from all the Pretty research important. we have, exactly. One of the most uh, frequent use cases, probably the most frequent use case for a smartphone is its camera. So we had to make sure that the camera is really good. Um, so for the, for the OnePlus Nord, we're actually taking the same camera we have on the OnePlus 8 and uh, bringing it to the OnePlus Nord. So it's going to have a flagship level camera, which is really going to set it apart from all the other products in this uh, price range. Mm -hmm. And uh, secondly, we brought down the, you know, the fast and smooth experience. People want a phone that just works and works really well. They don't, they don't want the phone to lag. Um, just want to have a good and good and a simple to use experience. So it's going to come with uh, Oxygen OS. It's going to come with all these optimizations, but this time around on top of the 700 series chipset to deliver that same, you know, fast and smooth experience. Oh, and we got the uh, 90 Hertz AMOLED display as well to I was gonna ask, bring yeah. that all to life. Yeah. Okay. So for a, for a OnePlus fan, I'm sure that when they use it for the first time, they won't really be able to tell what the, um, that it's, it's not an 800 series chipset. I think they'll be able to tell once they get into something really intensive, like a you know, 3D game on a higher graphic setting. But for the regular day-to-day -day tasks, I've been using it as my daily driver for uh, quite some time now. You can't mm -hmm. really tell. And uh, lastly, the third thing that we found is people, they want to buy a smartphone from a brand they trust. So we're taking the same kind of quality uh, testing and the attention to quality that we have from our flagship line to this mid-range line. So the exact same quality control. Um, so basically, to summarize, we found that you know, people really wanted to see was one, a really great camera, two, um, just a simple and easy to use experience that's smooth and fluid, and lastly, uh, quality that they can trust. And that's what we've done with this, uh, this product line. So these three factors then just became our product strategy. Once we okay. had this product strategy as kind of like a high level, um, kind of a North Star, for, for this product, we decided to see what kind of specs and what kind of features fit into it. So it's kind of not the other way around. First, we got to find a direction. And usually that direction comes with, uh, from speaking with consumers and um, you know, analyzing the consumer feedback and turning them into insights. And then we fit the product into that within a certain price point. Interesting. I, I kind of wonder about the difference between like average consumer that you know you might be speaking to a lot of versus you know maybe the classic OnePlus fan is a little more tech savvy or a little more spec conscious in a way I don't know if that's what you found um, but I, I'll say when I think of what I look for in a phone I mean I have my five pillars not necessarily in any order but I'm of course looking for a great camera I'm looking for mm -hmm. fast and smooth like performance I also want mm -hmm. a great battery life or a great battery <clears throat> experience 
Um, and then there's just a whole bunch of things that wrap into the experience of using a phone, all of which typically requires some sort of trade-off. If I'm asking for a high refresh rate, nice screen, I'm probably going to get less out of whatever battery ends up in that phone, right? So mm -hmm. I'm curious what sort of, what, what kind of compromises you, you sort of lean into on the flagship versus on Nord, where like on the OnePlus 8 Pro, you can say, all right, we can put a big battery and a high refresh rate screen in this phone. But on OnePlus Nord, maybe you don't have that ability to do both. So how do you weigh things like those trade-offs? Right, so once you have your kind of product direction, your product strategy ready, then you know what you're gonna focus on. So we know that we need to have a great camera. So we um, put a lot of our budget into the camera. We know we have to deliver a fast and smooth experience. That's why we have a 90 hertz AMOLED display. That's why we have the 765G chipset. That's why we invest a lot of R&D resource in the optimization of the software. So I think it all follows, follows the, the strategy you have. At least that's how we approach it, approach it over here. Do you have like a, when you're making this, this new product line, in order to differentiate it enough, do you have like a max price where you're like, we can't go over this because then it'll be too close? Like when you decide fast and smooth, you could have picked the 800 series, but you, you go with 765G because it's, it's doing well for that price. Um, but once yeah. you start packing all these features in, when you go from 90 to 120, you know, you're eventually creeping up on the flagship itself. So do you have like a stop gap or a, a certain number you won't go over? We have a sanity check. We don't spend too much time dwelling on it, but we, okay. we look at all the other products on the market to get a quick understanding of what other choices consumers have in different uh, price levels. And then of course it can't be priced too close to our flagship phones because then there's no need to make a new product line. So right. in the beginning, I, we, I, th I think we said, you know, around 500 or not, not above 500, so below 500 would be a good place to start. All right, all right, sounds reasonable. All right, we're gonna take a quick ad break and then we're gonna come back and talk about the prices of features and phones, IP ratings, and more. Let's be right back. Hi, we're Visible. We're the wireless company with nothing to hide. Seriously, hidden fees? We don't have them. Annual contracts? Not our thing. Great wireless on just one line? Now that's more like it. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month, taxes and fees included. That's right, $25 a month, every month. Sorry, hidden fees, we're just not that into you. Sometimes the choice is just Visible. Switch today at Visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see Visible.com. Support for this show comes from NetSuite, and that's exactly what NetSuite provides, support. But what they really provide is support where you need it, because no one needs help where they don't need it. So NetSuite wants to provide you with products and services that are tailor-made for your business. Help where you need it. NetSuite is a top-rated cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all of your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move, so do the math, see how you'll profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended their one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks, so head to netsuite.com slash waveform. That's netsuite.com slash waveform, netsuite.com slash waveform. 
Support for this episode of Waveform comes from Gigabyte. There's a lot of talk out there about how AI is revolutionizing our world. Computers are writing newsletters, robotic bees are pollinating flowers, and a whole new wave of driverless taxis are popping up in cities all over the world. But how can AI power our passions and what we do for fun? That's where Gigabyte's AI gaming laptops come in. So their range of powerful and portable new laptops deliver cutting edge performance for anyone looking to explore the brave new world of AI powered gaming. So every 2024 Aorus machine comes equipped with the Gigabyte AI Nexus, which is like a central hub located with all the AI-powered features you could hope for. So that includes super useful tools like AI Power Gear, which automatically throttles and extends your computer's battery life depending on your power source and usage. You'll also get access to AI Boost, which optimizes performance based on what you're doing in that moment, whether you're ripping through an FPS or running your own large language model. AI Boost automatically adjusts the GPU and processors to maximize responsiveness and deliver unparalleled efficiency. Lastly, AI Generator includes various generative AI apps for quick startup, and all 2024 Gigabyte models seamlessly integrate with tools like OpenAI and Microsoft's Copilot AI chatbot. But the Aorus 16X and the Gigabyte G6X take it to the next level with a dedicated Copilot key, allowing users to swiftly tap into productivity and generative AI capabilities. I also keep hearing AI is going to change a lot in the gaming world. Andrew, can you think of anything about that? Not just optimization, like you said, but like more personal optimization I could see happening where like maybe you're playing a competitive game like Valorant and you want higher FPS and lower resolution. Like you, you're okay versus like The Witcher where you might want 4K crispy resolution and like a lower frame rate. I think finding that between your computer specs and what you want might help out a lot. Nice. So all of the models that I've been talking about are available right now at oris.com slash laptops slash gigabyte dash AI. So that's A-O-R-U-S dot com slash laptops slash gigabyte dash AI. Gigabyte, team up, fight on. I also have a couple questions for you that are even more specific to a previous video I made. So all I'm right. always wondering, I'm always wondering how much how much parts cost in a phone. So I, I was talking about the sort of formula for a budget phone um, when you end up at a $350, $400, $450 phone. Um, what sort of trade-offs like need to be made because they're simply too expensive? Uh, so I have a couple questions. Maybe you can answer about that. Sure. We'll see. I'll try my best. <laughs> sure. So generally, about about how much does it cost to add NFC to a phone? NFC is one of those things we've seen left out of previous phones, previous OnePlus phones mm -hmm. for cost reasons. Now they're in many phones, but still left out occasionally. What does that little NFC tag cost? Nowadays, NFC is pretty common. So it's not something we thought about a lot, but it costs around $4 to just add the NFC there. Okay. And that's four bucks to you, the, the, the manufacturer that's putting them in, in the phones, or yeah. four bucks to the end consumer, to you? Okay. It's, it's um, yeah, when we think about a co the cost of a smartphone, we talk in terms of BOM, B-O-M, it means bill of materials. Right. So the $4 gets into the bill of materials. And then we have other costs to deliver the phone to the consumer. We have channel costs, marketing costs, operational costs, offices, staff, et cetera. So this is just the cost of components. What about IP certification? Because that's not, that's not a component necessarily. It's a couple of seals and a couple of things you add to the phone that eventually qualify it for a certification. So an IP68 rating in a phone, for example, how much extra does that cost? Yeah, so this is a really interesting topic and it's quite complicated. So um, bear with me for a little bit. 
So there's no, there's no official kind of body or third party organization that certifies phones to be uh, IP rated. It's just a okay. set of standards that are you know, commonly agreed upon in the industry. So take uh, IP68, for instance, for a phone to be able to claim that it's IP68 certified, it needs to survive um, 1.5 meters underwater. Sorry for um, North American That's fine. Uh, <laughs> viewers. That's for like 10 um, minutes or something? For, uh, for 30 minutes. 30 minutes, okay. For 30 minutes. So you mentioned the, yeah, we need to add additional seals to make sure that every port is uh, waterproof, but that's actually only a very small part of the additional cost. The, most of the cost here comes from the, from the uh, machines that we have to buy to test the devices. So that's mm -hmm. the biggest cost driver. It's a big fixed investment to buy all these machines that allow us to uh, test the devices through uh, kind of um, blowing air into the ports to see if the uh, air then comes out. It's not tested underwater. So that's the biggest fixed investment. The second uh, cost driver is actually manpower. So every, every phone that's uh, IP certified needs to undergo testing towards the end of the assembly line. So at the end of the assembly line, we have to add a few more steps to the process. And this makes the phone take longer time to manufacture. And we also need more manpower and more people to undergo these tests. So that's the second biggest cost driver. The, the um, seals themselves, they don't really cost a lot. Right. So but it's, just implementing so really, them, testing, exactly. all that stuff. So how, much, so how much do you save by not having all that? Obviously, the machines divide out over you know, the cost of units. But I feel like if you just put the seals in and toss it underwater and it seems to survive, you're close, even though you're not necessarily testing with official machines. Right. So it really depends on the volume, right? So if you sell a lot of phones or you manufacture a lot of phones and you just divide the cost of machines by a lot of phones and hence driving the price down. And also if your team is more experienced in building these assembly lines that have um, IP certification tests, you can save time there as well to save costs. For us, it costs around uh, $15 for each phone to do the IP certification. So for the OnePlus Nord, we, we chose to not do it. And as you say, we, we can still build a phone that survives the day-to-day. -day. If you spill some water on your phone, if you, um, if you drop it in a, a pool of water, it still works. For, for the OnePlus Nord, we just decided that this is not a place where we should put cost because we're looking at the overall user experience. We're not um, designing for extreme use cases. We're not designing right. to cover kind of every corner of the user experience. Right. So it may, like previous OnePlus phones that weren't certified, it may still have the seals and like you say, it might still survive a spill or, or a rain or something like that, but it doesn't necessarily go through the same extra steps in manufacturing and testing with those machines, which saves a bit of money and therefore takes the price down a little bit. Yeah, so for OnePlus Nord, for example, at every stage of our product development process, we undergo testing of 30 centimeters for 30 seconds. 30 centimeters of water for 30 seconds. Okay. And that, that should cover like all the day-to-day -day scenarios unless you're I mean, you drop your phone into the ocean or whatnot. Yeah, scuba diving. <laughs> uh, 
There's another trade-off I guess I'm curious about, which is battery. And I think a lot of people don't really think about the different types of ways that you can build a battery experience. Usually we just think of how big is it, what's the battery life, and then that's the end. But there's how fast it charges, how fast it depletes. Um, what, is that, what does that look like on your end? You're buying a battery of a certain size, or are you also considering the chemistry of a smaller battery charging faster, or you know different styles of battery builds? Um, how do you decide on a battery in a phone? Um, I think battery is, is pretty standard, but you, men you mentioned charging, right? And um, our phones have been known to have warp charging, and that, that has additional costs. The hardware is not exactly the same because it's a high amperage charging. The power conversion happens in the power brick instead of in the phone itself, and that has a, some additional cost. Yeah, I mean, shipping a phone with power brick. Pretty, pretty important, some may say. <laughs> pretty important. Yeah. What about, uh, what about the display? So we, we've talked about, I've talked about displays a lot. I'm, I'm always interested in a great screen. How, what's, the, what's the difference between a great screen and a not so great screen when you're pricing out like something like a flagship versus a mid-range phone? Um, when it comes to display, I think the, the biggest choice you have to make is whether you're using a AMOLED display or a LCD display. And um, an AMOLED display is up to two times more expensive than a LCD display. Wow. But it, it depends on a lot of other factors as well. So for, for instance, if you want a curved display, that costs even more because when, um, when you're manufacturing these curved displays, the, they're, the, there's more um, prone to error in the manufacturing process. So the yield rate gets lower, hence the more expensive product. And does, does refresh rate seem to come down in price a little bit every year? Like it was almost unusual to have a higher refresh rate maybe four years ago in a phone. Now it seems like you can get a, a higher refresh rate AMOLED display pretty readily. When it comes to display, it's a lot about volume. So now that 90 Hertz displays have become really common, that drives the volume up and then hence the price down. But gotcha. it's, still, um, it's still a trade-off because we spent quite a lot on the display for this phone to ensure the smooth, uh, this, to ensure the smooth scrolling. Um, but we think it's worth it. Okay. I got to ask. I have to. I'm sorry in advance, but I have to ask. How much does a headphone jack cost? Uh, good question. Headphone jack doesn't cost that much in, in, in the bill of materials. The, mm -hmm. the cost of that comes from the uh, mechanical design of the phone, the hardware design of the phone. It takes additional space, space you can otherwise yeah. use for other things, for instance, battery. And nowadays, uh, true wireless earphones are getting pretty popular and they're coming down in price. So we sure. see a smaller and smaller need for headphone jacks. I'm actually curious, how big of a difference do you think you actually gain in battery, for example, I think that's usually the cited like biggest improvement once you get rid of that port. How, how much bigger do you actually get to make the battery in a phone by getting rid of the headphone jack? It's a overall balance, I think I would say. Um, I haven't really calculated how much, you know, that amount of space yeah. results in a milliamperage for the battery, sure. but it's a balance of a lot of different things. For instance, we also want to make sure our phones are not too thick because one of the first things consumers um, react to is how it feels in the hand. And when you have a phone that feels really slim or uh, feels good in the hand, so in our case, we also 
since the very beginning we have these tapered edges on the back to make it more grippable. This is really important. So it's an overall balance. A larger battery or less space for the battery will also re result in a thicker phone. So when you look at, when you zoom out from all this, all these different trade-offs that you have to think about for a phone, if it's, I feel like there's like the myth of like a no compromise phone, but even at the highest end, when you're like, I'm gonna put a great screen in here, I'm gonna put a great battery in here, I'm gonna you know, put the 800 series in this phone, and even if you're gonna run up the cost, you still do have to make the choice of like, do we want, you know, these cameras and and this software for it, or do we want this big battery or this thick battery and then the phone's thicker? Like even at the high end, there are still compromises, right? So there's almost, I guess maybe you can speak to, is there a such thing as a no compromise smartphone? I think it's, hmm, this is more in the context of, I guess what you believe in as a product manager. What are the things mm -hmm. that you really believe that your products should, should embody? Right, so if what you believe in is I need to have exactly everything available on the market, um, that's one way of looking at it. But usually when you create a product, it's much more about balance. It's kind of like, um, I guess an, one analogy is like cooking a dish. When you're cooking a dish, you don't want to throw in everything you have in the kitchen. <laughs> so that's not going to be a very tasty meal, but that's you kind of have a... <laughs> <laughs> I gotta, gotta try it sometime. Yeah. But yeah, it's no, more about, the balance. you know, having a vision of what you want to create and finding the right ingredients to get there. Makes sense. Makes sense. So how do you, how do you, what's the, what's the most important feature of Nord? If I'm looking forward to this phone coming out sometime later this year, what's the, what's the number one thing? I think you said camera at the beginning was one of the highest considerations in this, in this market. Mm -hmm. Is that the most impressive feature of the Nord? I would say it's the overall package. I think we've come to a <laughs> okay. stage and, you know, a lot of the, you know, a lot of the mid-range mid phones, they heavily promote one feature. And True. I personally don't really think that's how you should build a phone because if you look at how people use their phones, they're on their phones for hours and hours every day. They use it for a variety of different things. They're not just here to use your camera or any other feature. So at the end of the day, we just wanted to create a really good all-rounder, a good day-to-day -day phone. It's easy to use, easy to recommend. So, and with that comes great cameras, uh, you know, great experience, fast and smooth experience, and really good quality. Okay, so, so you decide on all the specs and all the, all the internals of the phone, you, you lock that up, and then you start, what, what, what comes after that? Is that the design afterwards, or, or how does that process continue? Yeah, so this is also a little bit uh, complicated. Um, okay. So usually, there's two stages. It's not a very linear process that some people might think. There's two stages. One is the concept stage, and one is the kind of realization or execution stage. The execution stage is very linear, step by step. But in the concept stage, actually a lot of teams work at the same time. So while the product team is speaking to consumers and studying the market and trying to figure out you know, how to position this product, what the product strategy is, the industrial design team is already also working on a lot of different prototypes. At the same time, the hardware, um, the hardware team is making sure that each of these prototypes will actually work. Like we can fit all these product specs into the hardware itself. So it's a lot of teams working in parallel and uh, only once everybody reaches an agreement, when we kick off the project, 
do we move into a very linear kind of product development process? And kicking it off also involves other parts of the business like the marketing team, the sales team. Everybody needs to be on the same page that we're doing this. This is, what we're, this is why we're doing it. This is what we're doing. This is how it's going to look. This is how much it's going to cost. And then we move into the, the realization stage. So I can just show you quickly um, some of the, the prototypes we, we explored before um, deciding okay. on the final design. So I have some of them here. Sure. So that's, so this is like a, when you say prototype, this is like you make a sort of a mock-up of a potential design to, to fit the phone into. Yeah. Um, when I say prototype, I mean design mock-ups. So sure. as I was saying before, when the product team is kind of working on their product strategy, the industrial design team is also working on different paths to take the uh, design. So all the prototypes, all the mock-ups are actually of, they have the same camera kind of configuration. You see a very yeah. unique style camera configuration, but the finish is different. Here you see um, like three squares. On the yeah. previous one, it's the matte frosted glass. And then like here we have, yeah? <laughs> yeah. Which one of these two would you like the most? I'm gonna I'm gonna go with that Dave 2D teal over there on the side. I feel like I would I would be into that. So this one? Yeah. Teal. Yeah. Dave 2D teal. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but then, towards the end, we settled on this design. So okay. we did something you're usually not allowed to do, which is um, we changed design really late in the process, and that caused the entire project to be delayed by around a month. And the reason why we did this is because in the beginning, we saw this um, new product line as more of a test or an experiment. But as we were looking into the, uh, the data and the consumers, we realized that this would be a really good opportunity, that we would sell a lot more phones than we you know, originally envisioned. So mm -hmm. then we had to really rethink our design strategy are we doing this as an experiment? If it's an experiment, then we can be much more daring with our industrial design. We can try this uh, uh, camera setup that looks really unique, L-shaped camera setup. But if, we're, if we want to sell a lot of phones, we want to target a much broader user base, we need to make sure that it's immediately recognizable as a OnePlus phone. So we have the same uh, you know, camera setup, vertical camera setup you see in other OnePlus phones and we have the same kind of tapered edges on the, on the back of the phone to really remind you of the OnePlus design philosophy. That reminds me of a question I've always had. For, I, I am so curious about this. So you, you, how long before it's revealed is the design locked? Because I'm always, I'm always thinking like sometimes phones get leaked and then you know, there's all this, this, this feedback online suddenly of a phone that you haven't announced yet and you have maybe, if it's early enough, the ability to react to it. But mm -hmm. like you said, once you've started manufacturing and tooling and everything, it's, it's almost impossible to change it without delaying it massively. So, so how long before you get on stage with that final product is the design finished? Ideally, um, we should finish it nine months before the launch. Wow. In this case, it's, it's going to be six months. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah. um, after we you know, decide on the concept and we kick off, there's a lot of other work we need to do. Should I go into right. a little bit of detail maybe? Yeah, definitely. So the, the first thing we need to do after we kick off the project is we need to 
uh, create the molds, the molds that then create the different components inside of the phone. So product development, when it comes to smartphones, we have a few different stages. So we have the T0 stage, we call it T0. And basically the industrial design team has a design, the hardware team knows how to fit all the components in, the product team has defined the product. Now we just quickly assemble it to make sure that it works. We do a mm -hmm. couple of drop tests to make sure that the structure is sturdy enough. So that's the T0 stage. After the, after the T0 stage comes the EVT stage. So mm -hmm. in the EVT stage, what we need to ensure is that the, all the simple features work, all the features work. So for instance, the camera, it, we need to make sure that the camera can turn on. But in our case for the OnePlus Nord, when we're using the front facing camera, sometimes the, uh, the people, they became purple. So at, at this stage, you just need to make sure that the features work. There may be, you know, 30%, 40% done. And this is the EVT stage. And the EVT stage is also where we start doing uh, more testing. So the whole, the full suite of quality testing that we do on OnePlus flagships, we also do on this uh, OnePlus Nord product line, the drop testing, the uh, bend testing, uh, heat testing, and you know, different types of uh, Water, water, uh, water resistance testing. So right. the goal of doing all these tests is to see whether there's areas to improve. And throughout this process, we keep tweaking the hardware to make sure that it can pass all these tests in a better and better way. And after the EVT stage, we go into DVT stage where we make sure that the features are uh, more and more ready for prime time. So after DVT stage, they should be 80% or 90% ready to go. And here we really focus on the test assembly line. So think of the test assembly line as a, you just build a very small amount of assembly lines, like a beta almost, and you keep tweaking it to make sure that the process goes smoother, the yield rate becomes uh, higher and higher, and it, it gets faster and faster. And then after the DVT stage comes the PV, PVT stage. And here it's all about production. So we have this um, test assembly line that we've perfected. Now it's all about replicating it on a larger scale and getting it uh, ready for mass production, which is the next stage. So after we design, design the product and decide on the concept, there's a whole host of different stages to make sure that we can deliver the product to the market. It's a, com it's a complex piece by piece process that has to fit sort of together like a puzzle, otherwise you're gonna be delayed. Because basically, yeah even if you have to finalize that design six to nine months before, you end up getting into those stages of testing designs you've already thought of, maybe like right after you've just, you know, revealed the phone a year before. So that's, it almost requires like a, a future, it requires a vision of what you want in the future long before you're actually going to share it. So that is uh, exactly really interesting to note. Wow. That's why it's really helpful to have a product strategy. So when you're building a roadmap, you make sure that you always follow this uh, strategy that you built. Awesome. Well, look, I'm, I appreciate the time and, uh, and all the info and, and background on how these phones come together. I feel like I've learned a lot. I'm hoping everyone who's listening has also learned a lot about how this stuff works, but uh, anything, any, any closing words, any final parting teasers for Nord you wanna drop on us before we get out of here? No, I'm really just really excited to see uh, what everybody thinks about the product. When this video drops, it's only a couple of days left to the launch, so. Uh, we're really excited and a little bit anxious here. Um, so here's hoping that everything goes well.
For sure. I, I wish you guys the best of luck and uh, stay safe out there. Thank you. Waveform was created with Studio 71 and our intro-outro music was made by Cameron Barlow. Hi, we're Visible. We're the wireless company with nothing to hide. Seriously. Hidden fees? We don't have them. Annual contracts? Not our thing. Great wireless on just one line? Now that's more like it. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. That's right, $25 a month every month. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not that into you. Sometimes the choice is just visible. Switch today at visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see visible.com.